0: All right, so Deep Space Nine remembered that Commander Cisco existed. Yeah,
1: and that he had a wife who existed. It was good to talk about that.
0: <laughs> this was a... I'm getting getting the sense from you that you were not a huge fan of Second Sight. You know,
1: it was nice to have a Cisco episode. There were some really nice moments in it. The bit, you know, at the beginning with his son, when he's talking about the dream, that was a lovely moment. Um, you know, there, there are a few nice moments like that. Um, I do like the idea of having a story that's... You know, because we had the pilot was very directly dealing with uh, Jennifer was her name or Jessica Jennifer, Jennifer, you know, dealing with the death of Jennifer. And we really haven't I don't think they've even really mentioned it much. And, you know, as this episode is showing, he's at the point where he's not thinking about her every day because it's four years, you know, from now. He's at the point where normal life has recommenced. And, you know, again, the pilot, a lot of that business was getting getting, you know, and all of that. But. That said, this episode was kind of stupid. The whole main plot that he found himself in was stupid um it 's dealing with a character who is
0: yeah in
1: universe considered very annoying and obnoxious, which is watching an annoying and obnoxious character for more most of the show you know and it had well you and know, it had I, an energy being
0: i i well, yeah, I mean, the energy being, of course, is something that is going to make you hate an episode right away. Yeah. And 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 that's well well established by this point in the in the podcast. But, you know, the energy being stuff is, is kind of not even really the point of the episode. And I don't know, I, I I get I get why people think that the terraformer is and I don't remember his name, I didn't write it down, uh, is is annoying. I actually think he's okay. I mean, they were kind of going for like a, you know, I don't know, like a thirties adventurer type Yeah. And, and
1: I mean in the very it is for the thing was in his first scene or two. He's real he's funny, you know. He's the fact that they make him very self-aware about how, you know, egotistical he is is kind of funny. And you know, he is supposed to be this, you know, brilliant scientist who is aware that of his accomplishments. And the episode does go into which I respected the fact that number 1 meeting him for 5 minutes is a funny thing, but if you're spending a week showing him around, it's going to get on your nerves and frankly if you're married to this person, it's going to be horrible. I mean, that first... At the beginning, he has this joke, oh, my, autobi- my autobiography is, you know, nine volumes. I wanted to write one for every uh, wife that I had, you know? And that's a funny line, but then later in the episode, you know, when it shows his wife in this very severe distress, you realize that, you know, there are a bunch of people who have just been driven to to drink from this man, and it gets... I don't know. I like that it slowly goes makes him more horrible as it goes on, but then at the end does redeem him a bit.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I you know, the the episode, I mean, let let's be fair. The episode is very slight. I don't think that there's any real ramifications. This is not a very serious episode. You know, in comparison with the next episode, which is very serious yes. and also has some serious problems. But, you know, I think that the 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 thing about second sight is that um you know the actual plot with Cisco, I think you know the plot itself doesn't really matter and and you know there are a lot of times when the show when Star Trek gives us plots that don't matter and doesn't do anything else with them and it's so it's very flat it's very boring I think with second sight the 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 episode is really about telling us more about Cisco about sort of reestablishing the character of Cisco because frankly I think that yeah. that Cisco has sort of been lost in his own show you know there there have been episodes where he's only appeared in like one scene um you know he varies he's almost kind of i don't know he you know so far in the show i mean i don't know that i mean do you have a good sense of who he is at well, this point well i think there's a to a degree i
1: think he's the least interesting of the characters by design again you have Kira, who is, you know, we've what we see more and more of her backstory, especially in episodes like uh, 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 um, Necessary Evil, where we learn that she does have the you know, the fact that she has this, you know, resistance, you know, freedom fighter past and is now, you know, the establishment. That's an interesting conflict. Odo is fascinating because we don't even really know what species he is. Dax, even though her episodes haven't necessarily done her the most justice. I find her biologically interesting. Even Bashir has his moments, you know, but Sisko is the most quote-unquote normal character out of everybody. And, again, that's by purpose, He, you know, because this show is showing more of what, you know... uh, uh, Again, where the captain was kind of the focal character of original series and, to a lesser degree, next generation... um, Things, the world doesn't revolve around Cisco the way the world revolves around Kirk or even Picard. And, yeah. Yeah, again, he's just—we learn mo- the most about him in the pilot episode, but so far he hasn't really—he's just been kind of going from that. So, I mean, even though we don't really learn that much about him in this episode, even though he doesn't do anything that's particularly surprising, um, I don't know. I mean, I like him. I, I, well, I
0: think it's. I think that's an interesting look way to look at it, actually, because you know if you if you compare Cisco to Kirk and Picard, and I think you know it's hard to do because again we don't we just don't know that much about Cisco at this point. But I think that that's actually a really astute reading of Cisco. I think that you know Kirk and Picard they were the center of 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 yeah. not the universe necessarily, but they were the center of of events that were very important. I mean, you know they they've were said certainly in the, the next sc- generation. Yeah. They were. S- They've said in the next generation that you know Kirk is and his Enterprise is studied at the at Starfleet Academy. You know Picard is doing things that are going to be studied at Starfleet Academy in fifty yeah. years. Cisco, I mean, not really. And you know he's he's a he's a, a a good Starfleet officer, and he's someone who was frankly, but at the same time, I don't know that he's someone who was really given a place of importance in Starfleet. I mean, I think that that, that being given command of Deep, Deep Space Nine was not seen as, like, a throwaway or a punishment, but it's not, you it's know, not being promoted to captain and and going and flying off into space and, and exploring and doing a lot of cool things. Well,
1: especially where Bajor and, the, and Deep Space Nine were at the beginning of the series, this was a backwater. Yes, he was in a very, you know, in a position doing some very difficult things, you know, but... This wasn't the center of importance that it's slowly becoming because of its, you know, it's almost by accident that this is a, we've seen, you know, we've seen plenty of bases and, you know, scientific research stations and space stations over the course of the series. Cisco was just going to be any one of those, you know, he would have been a generic secondary character that Picard visits and, you know, has an adventure at his station, but otherwise leaves and that's it. And that's all, that's the most exciting thing that happens to him.
0: Well, and I think that actually the there's something even more profound here, which is that the most important the most important role that Cisco has that we've seen so far is as the emissary of the Bajoran religion. Yeah. And so that kind of puts him in very stark contrast to either Kirk or Picard because of course, you know, his most important role is with an alien species. It kind of sets him apart and it kind of sets the show apart because in a way Cisco is is kind of the audience's way or our way into the idea that Deep Space Nine is going to be a show that is, is still, you know, showing Starfleet and it's still showing where humans are and it's still showing the Federation and still having regular Star Trek style plots about exploration and, and sort of, you know, n- meeting new life and new civilizations. But at the same time, it's also going to be a show about these different alien cultures in a way that the Next Generation or perhaps even the original series was. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, you know,
1: the Federation is part of DS9. But it's not all of DS9 the way it was in the original series or next gen. Um, And frankly, being the emissary is just something that he kind of stumbles onto. It's not really because of any inherent uh, qualities of him. You know, we we don't know if there was a deeper design to the prophets picking him or anything like that. But based on the pilot, it really just seemed like he happened to be in the right place in the right time.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 again, they haven't really done much with that yet. I mean, they they talk about it in the pilot, but they don't really talk about it uh, and that much. Hayapaka
1: mentions it in her episode. And that's been about it. Yeah. We still haven't quite gone into the ramifications of what that means, and he's also not really it's not a role that number 1 he considers important. I think if he you know, he hasn't really, we haven't seen him questioning or researching or figuring out what that means. I mean, it's something that people told him he is, and he's like, well, I don't want to be, you know, whatever, you know. He, he doesn't really seem right. proud of it, And again, in the way that Kirk or Picard were of their ships, of their roles. You know, even Picard, yeah. who is a much humbler person than Kirk is, still identified with his position and his role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think that that's why, you know, Second Sight is an interesting episode for me, because, again, you know, I don't think that this is a great episode, but I but I think it's an interesting one. And I I I like it because I think that it really does give us a different side of Cisco. We get to see him a little bit more vulnerable. We get to see, frankly, I think, how lonely he is. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, for, you know, let's be honest. I mean, this is a, the commander of, of Deep Space Nine who uh, immediately feels a strong connection to this woman. And wants to spend a lot of time with her. And that's not necessarily something that someone that has a full and fulfilling and enriching life will do. Uh, You know, he latches on to Fina, like, very quickly.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. She doesn't really have that much of a personality other than being, you know, I mean, she's very, very, very beautiful. And she is, you know, charming and all of that. But not in a way, you know, at the end of the day, I can't tell you anything about who Fina is or what she likes to do. That is part of the attraction from Cisco because she is a mysterious woman in red. I mean, let's not, you know, let's not take that. But at the same time, you know, you know, you're right. There was at the very beginning, you know, he's, he introduces himself as the commander and number one, her reaction to that oh you must be very busy. His reaction to her saying that is that, Oh, a lot of people must feel that way. I mean, to a degree, he kind of is, a celebrity and that in that little world and you know there are it probably is tough to get close to him and he probably that probably does add to his loneliness because again he is a very busy person who you know is not necessarily the most approachable at all times
0: well, yeah, and I think I think the other thing about that as well too is that you know you say Fina doesn't have much of a personality, and of course Fina isn't a real person. Well, yeah. So you know it's kind of like is that really a criticism of, of of the episode? I don't know. I think that's probably by design. You know, Fina is uh, uh, a psychic manifestation of this woman Nadelle, who doesn't want to be in her marriage, and you know for Cisco, I think. Fina really represents a wish fulfillment, oh, yeah. and this is kind of like you know Cisco looking for something. And I think you know Cisco, it's not it's not inconsequential, it's not inconsequential, and or it's not unimportant that Fina and Nadell appear on the station on the fourth anniversary of Wolf Three Five Nine, of course, because this is where Cisco is feeling the most vulnerable. And and frankly, he's I think that he would be amenable to reaching out to anyone. I think that you know if Fina had not appeared and if this had been uh, uh, the fourth anniversary of his wife's death, I think he'd be hanging out with Dax a lot more. Yeah. He might be, like, you know, trying to play baseball with his son more. I mean, he'd, he'd be trying to do other things because he wants to feel connected oh, to yeah. other people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, and, and I mean, I, and I guess it does... Again, it's that she is mysterious. They do play... It, this reminded me almost, you know, in a way of a Cinderella kind of thing. You know, this, you know, beautiful woman who just kind of appears and then just randomly disappears and, you know... He's trying to find her, you know, and stuff like that. And it's more about, you know, yeah, it is more about his desire for companionship with someone, you know, friendly (laughs) to a degree than it is about this particular, you know, if he hadn't met Fina, he may have, you know, hung out with somebody else that day.
0: And I also think that that you know there's there's a lot of uh, uh, nice uh, parallels between Cisco and the Terraformer character because you know the Terraformer character is someone who is uh, frankly he seems like a very sad man yeah. and he seems very very alone and you know he's covering that up with his sort of bombasticness and his ego and, jokes. and his humor. Yeah. And it yeah, and jokes, and he's you know, but we all know somebody like that, right? And I think that's kind of why I like his character, and I think that's why Cisco likes him so much because I think to some degree, you know, yeah, Cisco kind of is this guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he reminds you know to a degree he reminds me of the prototypical you know, stand-up comedians are usually very very sad people, you know, and all of all of the the terraformers' jokes are very self-deprecating and have a very have a bitterness to them, you know, and he knows how much he's... You know, all of the adulation that's given him is very shallow in a way. Again, he's getting parades and statues, and, you know, when he describes... uh, n- what, what What's her name? What's the wife's name? Nadell. Nadell. You know, when he describes her, you know, she he says, you know, she was infatuated me. They were making a statue of me. You know, I had just, you know, saved their planet, you know, and... You know, she, uh, not, not for anything, it's very significant that she's obviously much, much younger than he is, you know? Yeah. It's, he, this is a person who can't really keep a relationship beyond the beginning stages. I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of like Don Draper in a way, you know? People are attracted to the legend of him, but the reality is somebody who finds it difficult to connect with people.
0: Well, yeah, because, I mean, at that point in the episode when they go on the Prometheus and they're having dinner with with him and his wife and we meet Nadelle for the first time. And that was a great reveal, by the way. We all knew,
1: you know, oh, it's going to be her, but, you know. Right, yeah.
0: But it's like when you you see her and and, and you actually see the real woman and she seems just, just beaten down and she's, I mean, she's quiet. I mean, you know the terraformer is saying, I don't know why she loves me. She's so wonderful. She's so yeah. warm. She's so loving. And then we meet her and she's this like completely shut down woman who doesn't appear to be feeling anything and, 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 and not even wanting to feel anything. And and it's really sad, you know, And and I mean, the fact of the matter is, the terraformer is someone who obviously loves this woman very much. He obviously loved all of his wives very much. I think that you know his interpretation of events perhaps may not be the right interpretation of events in the sense that you know he seems to think that his wives get tired of his ego and tired of his jokes and tired of his bombasticness. But I kind of feel like he might be the kind of person who has you know mood swings. Not to say that he's violent or angry, but just kind of like he goes from being you know funny and 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 very very full of life to just being like in a corner like crying. Like he seems like he has sort of this really like this is this seems like a person who has a lot of dark nights of the soul, if you know. Yeah, what I mean. he, and, he's and, almost
1: kind of always performing. He's really good when yeah. he's performing. When he's the center of attention and he needs to charm everyone in the room, he's really good at that. But he doesn't know how to relax and just be you know, himself, and, I mean, this is something that a lot of people who are that smart deal with, you know? He, he frankly, you can't, you know, somebody who is that smart when they're a kid are not going to have, you know, too many friends, you know? They're going to have a lot of professional right. jealousy at them, and, yeah, so he's going to have trouble, you know, so he creates this kind of larger-than-life persona that even, I mean, a lot of a lot of his conflict in this episode is him realizing that maybe even he can't live up to His own legend, you know, he's doing everything he's done has been this marvelous success, but he knows that, you know, at some point he's going to hit the peak and he's terrified of hitting the peak and he's worried that what he's doing now is his peak.
0: Well, even his death is a performance. Yeah. I mean he he launches himself into a dead star huh. and brings it back to life. Yeah. I mean that's about as you know, <laughs> you know, at, you, while you, saving his wife. You know what I mean? Like that, right? That, that you, you too. can't you can't get much more dramatic than that.
1: Yeah, and
0: yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's it's
1: you know, and I think that's kind of because watching it at first, you're like Cisco's not. They're not really doing anything. Cisco's basically just like, okay, yes, I get it, but you know. It is true, you know, that is really the only thing that that is the way that he can give himself actual dignity, you know. He lived as a legend, he died as a legend and you know, if the man himself were a little broken and sad, well, he didn't want to be and this death gives him that, you know, gives him that specialness, that legend. You know, this caps Yeah, and
0: I and I and I wonder about what Cisco is going to take away from this because I I I I get the sense that at the end of the episode Cisco feels I think he 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 feels alone, but it's kind of a different way that he feels alone than in the beginning of the episode, and I think maybe this episode is getting Cisco to the place where he realizes that he needs to start living his life yeah. again, if you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean I think it's really significant that everybody in this episode is very friendly and supportive to Cisco. I mean, there's the scene where, you know, He's having dinner with Jake and Jake's immediately like, You're in love. You know, I know I you know, it's obvious. Tell me about her, you know? And Jake is very, you know, making it clear that, like, look, if 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 you're at the point where you want to meet somebody, I'm alright with that, you know? And that's a very important thing. There's the bit where, you know, he's talking to Dax, and you know Dax is saying, Oh my god, you would have told Kurz on that, but you know, I get it, you can't talk, you know, man to man with but you know, even if the relationship with with Dax has shifted, Dax is making it clear, no. I'm there for you, you know, and even Kira throughout this, throughout the series, you know, even if she doesn't have a scene in this episode that's harping on it, you know, Kira's there for him. Odo can, you know, get these tiny scraps of information that don't mean anything, and he's still going to help Cisco out, you know. Hell, Quark even gives him a drink and, you know, offers offers to to talk to him, you know. I think it's making it clear, you know, that's something that, frankly, the Terraformer doesn't really have.
0: You know, well, right, and I think that that's that's kind of what maybe what we're supposed to get out of the episode is that Cisco has all of this because Cisco is, you know, he kind of sets himself apart from people and he's kind of shut off to some degree, but he's also a real person, yes. And I think that he he doesn't hide his real personality to the same degree that this terraformer does. And
1: I would say it's not and, hiding his personality; it's more he's you know he's he's being a bit more circumspect about it at times. He, you know, it's not appropriate. You know, I, I think. The next episode as well makes it clear that well you know there's work and then there's your personal life you know he doesn't have it well, yeah. he doesn't have it to the, split to the degree that Picard does but he does still know when to be professional
0: well yeah and I think that that's why the the, the final scene between Cisco and the terraformer when the terraformer really reveals the degree to which he feels sad and the degree to which he feels responsible for these women and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think Cisco looks at this conversation and he realizes that, you know, well, that, that could be me, you know, to some degree, but it's not going to be him because Cisco is surrounded by people that care about him. And, and this terraformer is not, frankly.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, again, I think it was a, it's an interesting episode and I was looking forward to talking about this. I can't say I liked it, but I it's not that I didn't dislike it either. I don't know.
0: Well, I think it's 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 I don't know if it's the first one, but I think it's 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 gener it's generally the start of a kind of a trend in deep space 9 which, you know, kind of tells these very quiet, you know, yeah. very sort of slow-moving stories that 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 frankly don't really have much yeah, plot yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're all and I think that it and that's why it's sort of like this weird it's a weird mixture of we need to have a science fiction plot to make this work. We can't just have a we can't just have a a a dramatic you know character storyline on Star Trek. We need to fit in some sort of weird sci-fi thing. And that's something that the show gets more comfortable with jettisoning, jettisoning later on actually.
1: Yeah, and you know, in a way the stake, you know, we've talked about stakes from, you know, every so often. And you know, while this is very uh very high stakes for Nadell and the terraformer and all of that and certainly you know the solar system that he brings life back to you know gets a lot out of this but this is a very low stakes story I mean it's not like for example you know the terraformers you know next generation would have had the first attempt at the terraforming experiment happen 20 minutes into the episode and a disaster and they've got to figure it out you know while all of this is going on well you know Or you know the 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 energy being is threatening the station, or you know maybe mistakenly sucking power from. It. No, none of that is happening. This is just a, again, it's a science fiction story more so on the, Nadell bits than the uh, terraforming bits because that could just re you know represent any kind of you know scientific breakthrough. But you know they they are just used to bring out different bits of character and. You know, I do like that. It's a you know because we like the characters because the characters are interesting and they go to interesting places. You know, it works for the show.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that I think that it's 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 nice that at this point in the show's run, the characters are well defined enough, and you like the characters enough for this kind of episode to work to some degree. You, because I mean, if you if you look at where like you know the Next Generation was at this point in the second season, this would not have worked at all. This no. would have been a complete disaster. So I think, you know, this This show is already much more fully formed than, you know, The Next Generation was at this point. I have some odd questions
1: about what mating for life means in the context of a sentient species, uh, just because, I don't know, like, like, you know, maybe, you know, there may be cultural reasons she wouldn't get divorced from him or something like that, but I don't think that he is abusive if he's a little neglectful, I don't. See why she couldn't live on her own planet. I don't know. That that's it's one of those, you know, typical things where and a little more so in the next episode where I feel like there could have been a compromise situation that the episode just doesn't acknowledge. But
0: Yeah, well I think that I I think that's one of those things which is just supposed to be taken at face value and you're not supposed to think about it too much. Yeah. I mean because yeah, you're right. She could go live on another planet, she could go live somewhere else. She talks about being
1: homesick at the end, you know, and you know, there could, frankly, be a very—I think both of them would not be necessarily unhappy if she lived back on her home planet. He would go out and do work, and, you know, once a year for a month he visits, and, you know, everyone's having a great, crazy, chaotic time. I think that
0: would—but, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think, again, it's one of those things you just kind of got to have to go, accept right. at base value. Yeah. But— All right, well, let's move on to talk about Sanctuary, which is a more— dramatic a more earth shattering a a more important episode but is also not as good as second sight see i don't know i kind of liked
1: this episode uh there were certainly parts of it i couldn't quite tell which you know guys were her husband's and which was her son and you know things like that and this is maybe again another one of those
0: interesting fact about that i'm ready uh, The main son was played by Walter Koenig's son.
1: Oh my God! But where was Walter Koenig?
0: I don't know. And the and the tragic thing is, he committed suicide.
1: Oh, that's sad.
0: Okay, anyway. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, Um, you you were saying
1: again. This is maybe another one of those episodes that could have been broadened out into two episodes. Um, But
0: really, you know, the the first the first fifteen minutes of this episode were complete padding.
1: Yeah, but you may, know, may, maybe I just didn't think that the what, what what are the aliens called?
0: The Screens. The
1: Screens. Maybe I didn't think that they were enough of a plot on themselves. So maybe they were a two-episode B plot for better eight bots. I don't know. The episode was again; it was an even. I felt like there were some things that should have been broadened out, some things that could have been lessened. But I don't know. Is this ever going to come back? That's another question I have.
0: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, here's, well, the thing about Sanctuary is I think it's got a really, it, it's got a really classic Star Trek, you know, message plot at its core. Yeah. You know, this is basically boat people, right? This is refugees coming from anywhere. coming. I mean, we've got refugee crisis now, you know, you've got boats going across the Mediterranean and yeah. capsizing and killing hundreds of people. I mean, this is happening, you know, in, in 2015. Uh, and this was yeah, certainly yeah, yeah, yeah. happening 20 years ago as well. This was happening 20 years before that. I mean, this has been happening for thousands of years ever since there were people. So on the one hand, yeah. yeah, this is very important. It's a very, you know, classic message episode. Uh, but on the other hand, it's not very good. I mean, like I said, the first 15 minutes is is almost complete padding. I mean, it's kind of interesting, I guess. But, you know, having the Universal Translator fail and then having them have to walk these aliens around the station for literally 15 minutes of of the running time of this episode before anything happens— uh, just, just feels like a waste of time. I don't know what we're supposed to get out of that. I mean, I thought it was interesting. Well, they- we
1: finally get confirmed that there are universal translators running. I don't think they've really talked about that much, but
0: well, yeah, it was.
1: It's always been a kind of undertone, but um, well, uh, yeah. I guess what I liked about this episode is that it is one where there is no real bad guy in a way. Like we don't. At the end of the day, it's not like you think that the Bajorans are this heartless people for saying no to them. I mean, to a very real degree, really the right. only reason that the uh slack die or whatever they're called um the Slores, I don't know um we are not good with screens the screens we are not good with names today um
0: hey, I know the names I don't know the terraforming guy's name, but I know everybody else's name.
1: okay, what was the name of the main uh skexis lady Jen okay um <laughs> um. You know, they only really have this vague prophecy that they're going to come to the... And obviously, the second they mention we're going to a planet that's having bad things happen and we're going to save them, you know it's going to be Bajor. But, you know, the Bajorans point that, well, look, if you, you know, if you can't do this, if, you know, your prophecies aren't right, then, you know, we're going to have to take care of you. And when, you know, Jen points out that, you know, we don't have to, you know, they're very reasonable saying we wouldn't be able to let you just you know there you be there and die out you know we couldn't do that and we can't help you you know it is i mean it, it is really true Bejor, if if the prophecies turn out to be wrong bajor can't help them and well that that's
0: true but and m- they do my my have question a question about this
1: I, i'm sorry and they do also have a perfectly viable planet if survival and finding farmland and all of that you know the federation already found that for them so it is not like it's Bejor or nothing
0: well, yeah, I mean, but you know, the Federation is not going to just just go get away and, and go yeah. go go somewhere else. You know, they're not going to turn into uh, you know the I yeah don't know, exactly the fleet from Battlestar Galactica or something, but or or what's that alien race in Mass Effect that you know oh where, the, the you know what I'm talking the about Canari, oh, or wait no no that's a yeah.
1: uh, Dragon Age two, which is pretty much the same game. Um, <laughs> i don't know
0: well anyway i'm sure all of our uh listeners know what we're talking about <laughs> but but you know my my problem with this is you know you had a problem last episode with the kind of thing about what's what does mating for life mean and i'm kind of like well it doesn't really matter but in this episode i have a more fundamental question which is what is the federation's role here like what are they really doing you know the the entire uh, uh setup of deep space nine is that the Cardassians left Bajor in a state of 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 you know just complete disarray. They can't grow enough food to feed their people. They can't keep them warm. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are serious, serious problems on Bejor on a planetary level. Uh the Federation, the you know, the, the, the Bajoran government goes out and invites the Federation to come. So the Federation sets up shop on Deep Space Nine. But what is the Federation actually doing here? Because to me it seems like you know, there's no real clear thought out sense of what the Federation's role is here. You know, if 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 the Bajorans were on their own, and if the Bajorans had the Screens come to them and say, We want to come and live on this plant peninsula and we'll make it bloom again. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, there's a lot of like resonances with like, you know, Israelis and things like that. I mean, making the desert bloom, uh, you know, why would it be incumbent on the Bajorans to make sure that the Screens don't starve? I mean, you know, is the Federation really that strapped? Could they not help out if this happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, to we've seen something like the episode with the old man and Kira and all of that. Um, when they're doing, you, know, you know, you get the sense that the Federation arranged to get its scientists looking and, you know, make that. And I guess what the Federation is actually doing is, you know, getting the Bajorans in touch with the people who can help them, you know, and in this case, you know they are arranging and they are providing the ground for the uh i keep forgetting their name, even as you tell me the aliens the screens the screens I have to write that down um they're providing you know the again temporary housing for the screens and they're advocating for them, but you know what the you know what the federation is doing in this case is finding them a real planet to live on, and again that out of you know humanitarian concern basically but I guess – I don't know. What what I didn't understand is, well, why <laughs> – um, Eric just showed on the camera a piece of paper saying
0: "screen," so. Um, I can hold that up there if you want. You, yeah,
1: I was going to say you should keep that there the entire episode because I will not remember. Um, I thought there was an I in there.
0: No, it's just screens.
1: See, what what I didn't understand is at the end, why didn't they they just agree to, well, okay, we can't house your three million people, but, you know, you have 7,000 people there who are willing to work. Let's set up a colony, you know? We'll do that for a year, and... Yeah,
0: we'll see how it goes.
1: Exactly. If you manage to make the land bloom, then that's great, and we could add more people. If you don't, well, then DS9 could take the 7,000 people and put them back on the other planet, you know? That, that... Again, I, I feel like this is a situation that could have been talked into a compromise, but um
0: well, I guess that the the part of it is, you know, uh, part of it is prophecy and this is a show yeah. that does believe in prophecy and this is but, a show that, that believes that, that 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 belief in religion is a powerful force in the universe. So that's something that's new for Star Trek. So so I think that that's part of it. That was another thing that I was surprised
1: at, you know, when they're talking to the Bajorans they don't even, you know, talk about if, – if any culture would be open to, prophet, to someone talking about a prophecy, you think it would be the Bajorans, you know?
0: Yeah, that's, that's true, actually, and that's a good I point. I mean, you and know, ha, that...
1: how do they – you know, I, I would be very surprised if none of the Bajorans said, well, maybe the prophets sent them to us. You know, the prophets spoke to them and gave them this prophecy of that, you know, promised land planet, and, you know, they're bringing us to – you know, I'm, I am surprised that that didn't come to, you know, be a thing. Cause...
0: Well, well, and frankly, I also think it's kind of interesting that, I mean, we do learn a little bit more about how the Bajorans govern themselves. I mean, the provisional government is, is secular, but they, yeah. they consult with, with the Vedic Assembly. Yeah. So so obviously there's some sort of link between religion and, and government in, in, on Bajor. Uh, and I also think, frankly, it's interesting that both of the Bajoran representatives that were sent to Deep Space Nine to tell the Scurians, nah, we don't need you uh were not characters we had seen before. Yeah. I mean, you think about how much dark I mean, this episode already is very dark because of course this is a this is a departure for Star Trek. Nothing ends well. And yeah, the screens are going to have their own planet, but they don't get what they want and the relationship between Kira and the main screen is is irreparably damaged. Um well, yeah, how they, much if- more how- if they had, Vedic, how much more powerful would it have been if that was, you know, Vedic Burial or or, or Vedic Win? Well, that you know, know the I thing mean,
1: with I, um, the fact that it's not a character we've seen before, kind of allows me to take their statements at face value. You know, I can genuinely, True. you know, if it's Vedic Win and she's saying we can't, well, what angle is she playing? Why is she, you know, if it's, you know, if, if it's the count, you know, the government guy, the head of the circle, you know, who was there? What is he trying to do? This is a power grab. You know, they're not doing, but. You know, when they say we genuinely can't help you, that's us, you know, I can believe that. I can't believe a word that Bedequin says.
0: Well, and also, frankly, I think now that makes me realize that, you know, they, they send some lower level functionaries up here. So maybe the Bajoran government isn't really taking this all that seriously. That could be. You know, they're not going to send their their head of government or they're not going to send like, you know, uh, uh, one of the one of the Vedic's that's running for Kai up here, because frankly, whatever, who cares? I mean, you know, I think that there is a there's a degree to which we've seen that that Bajor is um, not necessarily a sick society, but it's a a society with some serious problems. And, you know, there there is an undercurrent of meanness to it. And I think that that's what um, the main screen is getting at at the end of the episode.
1: Yeah, which is says you've been so, you can't trust anybody. And that is true. I mean, we've seen Kira going through all of these different stages and learning to, you know, deal with her own past and learning to deal with her anger and the fact that, you know, and all of those things. And, you know, this episode is making it clear. We have to multiply that by every single Bajoran that's on the planet because every one of them has is is in some degree of that stage, you know. And I think it's not inconsequential that a lot of people, the Ferengi especially, don't like the Screens, and they find them dirty and annoying. And, you know, that is general things that people will, you know, say about, you know, immigrants. That's usually one of the, you know, the more bigoted people who are against immigration will go through that way. But, you know, yeah, maybe the Bajorans kind of consider them beneath them to a degree.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, it, it's interesting that they talk about how their skin is falling off and everybody finds it disgusting. And, you know, there's there's kind of this undercurrent of yeah. of, of racism, you know, that I think you're implying. And, you know, frankly, one of the interesting yeah. things about the episode is that that's all subtext and that's all left to the audience to, to bring into it, because, of course, you know, it is something that the Bajorans would feel strongly about, probably. Like, they just kicked the Cardassians off their planet, and now they're going to introduce three million of another species onto their planet. Yeah. Who knows what that would do? I mean, we don't even really know what the population of Bajor is. We don't know how many people are are, are, are there. You know, it, 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 it could cause a lot of issues, basically, is what I'm trying to get at. And And that's never raised in the episode, but I think that is a real concern, and that's something that you can definitely be extrapolated out from, from how the Bajorans have acted in the past.
1: Bajor was the place where a, let's, let's call it what it is a racist organization called the circle thrive for a bit, very recently. So yeah, there are going to be plenty of people on Bajor who do not want any other species, let alone one that's, you know, depend- looking to be dependent on them. You know, this yeah. you know, even if we're told that this northern peninsula that's uh, in question is deserted and barren, you know, it's still you know, bejor for the bejorians is a phrase that's come up, and they're not, you know, that that's just another case of well, somebody else is going to fix our problems for us, and yeah, there are plenty of bejorians who don't want that.
0: Yeah, no, I think so, and and if you look at what the screans are, I mean. The Screens I don't think would be a problem because no. you know what they say in the episode is that the Screens were a species that had been conquered you know four hundred years ago or something by this other species the Tarogarians or something, uh, and the Tarogarians were just conquered by by the Dominion. So you know it's it's kind of like but we don't know how long this has been going on. The Screens don't seem like the kind of 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 people that are going to be conquerors are going to be sort of the, trying to dominate the society of Bajor. They seem like they'd no. be very content with just hanging out and just kind of building their own little thing going on up there. And
1: I think they're, uh, I think they're serious when they say, you know, we would love to be able to, you know, they, they frankly want to do terraforming as much as the guy in the last episode. You know, they really do consider that, you know, she seems to the head, you know, screen seems to consider it a fun challenge to, you know, the, the the more barren they tell her the land is, you know, the more things they get to do. You know, I think she genuinely does believe that her people would transform this land and would be the, you know, source of food for Bajor and would be a very strong asset. Um, what this is reminding me of is the Masterpiece Society from Next Generation. Oh, interesting. Which has these refugee Irish people and this genetically perfect society. And at the end, Captain Picard says, you know— you two need to work together and you're each going to bring what the other lacks. If this were a next generation episode, Picard would go to the screen- you know, the screens and Bajor would not have, neither would have the idea to make this partnership. Picard would say, Hey, you have this Northern peninsula, you're farmers, you need food. You're going to work together. And this episode is them saying, well, no, we can't work with them. You know, this is not a good idea. And, You know, hell, even Kira, who is a character that we agree with usually or we at least understand her point of view, she doesn't think it's a good idea for the same reasons that the government does. You know, whenever Kira agrees with the government, we have to really think about that position because that's actually, you know, because, you know, whatever they're agreeing, well, maybe that argument does have some merit and we should think about it.
0: Well, I guess, you know, this whole conversation leaves me with the question of, you know, are you optimistic about Bejor? Do Do you think that Bejor is is a good place? Is 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 ever going to be ready to be in the Federation? I mean, you know, what's going on there? Basically, at
1: this point, I mean, a lot will have to happen. I think they, you know, I, at this point, a lot's going to have to happen to make it become part of the Federation during the run of the series. You know what I mean? Like. Right now, if you were to ask me, is the finale going to end with, you know, the ribbon-cutting ceremony, I would say no. Because they are too divided. Now, knowing that it's Star Trek, um, I wouldn't think that that would be completely far-fetched. That events will change in the future. But, uh, like I said, I was curious if the screens, you know, reappear. Because, well, maybe in Season 5, they come back and they, you know, start figuring out, you know, something like that. I don't know. But... Yeah, they—they Bejor doesn't know what it wants. Bejor wants sovereignty. wants to be back on its feet and all of those things. But just like here is terrorism, buddy. In the second or third episode, you know, it's very clear that nobody knows what the right way to do that is, and everybody's—you know—I think it's very significant that the—you know—the woman who's—you know—visits with the screen Zito you know, says, you know there was a very heated debate about this. Of course, every debate, you know, in our council is heated, you know, and yeah. she says that kind of as a joke, but that's not really good if every single thing that comes to your council is hotly debated, you know? That, that's a right. sign that you have a lot of disagreement within your government, and that's not yeah. really a good, that's not a sign of a functional government.
0: Resolved. Puppies are cute. Why well, no! puppies are terrible. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be bad, yeah. <laughs> Well, and and you know, moving aside from from all this kind of you know larger conversation about Bejor and and all the politics of it and everything, um, this is a really good episode, you know, for for Kira because I think yeah. that that we we see a different side of Kira. We see more of a feminine side for Kira, which doesn't mean, of course, that she's not still powerful and she's not still uh, a, a competent officer and 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 all of those kind of things. But I think that she she feels a, she feels a fundamental connection with uh, the the head screen, and she feels she likes her and, and she wants to be yeah. her friend and they kind of have a good understanding. And so I think that that's another way in yeah. which the episode kind of uh, misdirects you into thinking that this is going to have a happy ending I mean, because, of yeah. course, in a normal Star Trek arc, you know, Kira becomes friends with this screen and that kind of bridges the gap and then Kira convinces the council to let them live and all that kind of stuff and it doesn't turn out to be that way at all. Well,
1: I mean... Take this back to the old man on the planet. You know, Kira had to recognize that just because she had personal feelings for this person and, you know, no one's saying that's a, that's a bad thing. And certainly it's a good way of her to get empathy. But she at the end of the day by her feelings were la- leading her first stray from what is right. And in this one, she stays with what is right, even though, you know, it doesn't mean she likes Jen any less, you know, it, it, you know. I mean, I love that sequence when she buys her the dress and then they end up bonding about how ugly it is because, you know, frankly, Kira bought her the dress thinking that she liked it, you know, and just like, even though this is terrible taste, you know, I'm going to do something nice for you, you know, um, you know, there are these moments like that. Um, we also get another mention of the Dominion. Yes, we do. Uh, no, that's, that's it. We just get, we get a mention of the Dominion and... You know, they're obviously going to now be a power in the thing. But again, they're very slowly teasing that to us. You know, we're just hearing mentions and whispers. I think this is because in the, the uh, rights of, his, rights of uh, rules of acquisition, you know, it's mentioned to court. Court probably hasn't mentioned this to anybody, you know. This right. is the first time the main cast and the Federation are hearing about it. So I am very curious what they are because, as I said, nothing called the Dominion can be a good thing.
0: Well, what what makes what makes the Dominion jump out to you I'm just curious because we we've, we've heard a lot of, you know, one-off species before. Well,
1: because number one there are two off species, they're also nothing that's they're mentioned in a very different context and they're also mentioned as some kind of organized power within the uh, within the gamma quadrant. Again, we haven't really we've we've met these are the first non-asshole horrible species that we've met from the Gamma Quadrant, you know? then They're the first that are at least willing to work with people and seem kind of nice.
0: Um, Hey, I liked Tosk.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Tosk was nice. I think he and Miles O'Brien had a nice relationship. Yeah,
1: but he was also on a planet that had this horrible, you know, most dangerous game thing. Um, But, you know, again, we've only had sporadic contact in the Gamma Quadrant, and I think it's starting to become very clear that the gamma quadrant is not as you know the Frankie think of the gamma quadrant as fruit for the picking you know everybody and nobody everybody thinks that there's you know the gamma quadrant is going to bring untold wealth and you know power to everybody and it's going to be great you know and and so far nobody's figured out how to actually do anything with it and the fact that we're seeing that there's this shadowy organizing power behind it is is dangerous you know they they they've It's not like we've met any Dominion members, you know? It's not like they were introduced as a one-off species. They were specifically introduced twice as somebody powerful. And, uh, you know, they're, they're talked about not quite in the same way that the Borg are talked about, but, you know, they are something big, at least from what I've seen so far, heard so far.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's a good answer. Yeah. We'll just have to see where that goes. I'm,
1: I'm, it's just, you know, there are a lot of things in this series that I'm curious about, and that happens to be one of them. But, uh, you know, it, it's... Well,
0: I just, I have, I have to be honest with you, Richard. After this, the Dominion never appear again. Okay. Is that true? Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Eric! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, and again, I don't know that there's much else to say. I think that uh, is sanctuary you know maybe the final point i want to make before we wrap this episode up and if you have anything else to talk about we can certainly talk about that is uh is just how loose this episode feels yeah. and and you know talking about it with you i think that it's interesting i think there's a lot of interesting stuff there's a lot of meaty stuff yeah going we didn't on here. even talk
1: really about nog at all in this episode
0: that's true yeah but, but you know, at the end of the day, for the first, like, half an hour of it, it just kind of feels like a weird Hangout episode. and You've got, like, that scene at the beginning where Kira is, like, talking to the flute guy, and that doesn't go anywhere. And then the first 15 minutes are just them running around trying to figure out what they're saying. But I, and, you know, the whole thing just feels very, like, hangout like which that. is not a problem. I like but... that a
1: lot, actually, about this series. Because, again, one of the – this series is called Deep Space Nine. It's about life on Deep Space Nine. And – you know, that very beginning scene where, you know, the flute player is playing and everybody in the bar is crying. I mean, we've seen that one orc looking guy, you know, from time to time, and, you know, that he needs to borrow, you know, Cork's bar rag to blow his nose into, you know, that, you know, it's a nice little bit of comedy, you know, and that Cork is complaining, of, you know, to Kira, but, you know, things like that just give a sense of what it's like for the day to day on the station. I mean, you know, yeah. you remember that Lower Decks was one of my favorites of Next Generation. You know, I really do like this day in the life shit.
0: And I did not like that episode, so maybe that's why I didn't like this one. Well, I don't like, no, I do like you. Aw, thank you. I like you too. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Sanctuary? Do you want
1: to talk about Nog? Uh, not, pr- not particularly. Um, no, I... I, I Nog, Nog is growing up. He slowly, very slowly. Uh, Jake went out with a Dabo girl, so
0: true. Uh, yeah, and he helped her with her homework.
1: <laughs> and you have to, you know, you have to think about this. Is what Jake's about fifteen, and you'd understand. You, I, I would assume that a Dabo girl is probably in her twenties, and so she's obviously using him for entomology homework. But that's cute.
0: <laughs> I have a very sort of like inappropriate question for you. So sure. Jake is a teenage boy and uh for any listeners yeah. who have been teenage boys you know that erections were an issue uh and for for any uh women out there that that uh, <laughs> do not have penises uh they probably also know that teenage boys have problems with erections this is a a, a common joke in our culture and it's certainly I never true. had a problem with any my, of my, my erections well my my well hiding them at least my question for you yeah, is broad. um w- w- why why does the twenty fourth century fashion for teenage boys uh, make it almost impossible to hide erections? Because of course he's wearing some sort of skin tight uniform. And Wesley
1: had the same thing too. I think Wesley
0: had the same problem. Yeah, this is this is definitely an issue in the fashion of the twenty fourth century. I think it's Federation.
1: I, I, I think it's for yucks. You know, I think you know it's just <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 First, I, I think that you know. Because I remember, you know, how much my dad, you know, liked to embarrass me when I was a kid. And, you know, that's that's a thing. People like to embarrass their teenage boys because, you know, come on. And yeah. I, I think that's just it.
0: Okay. That's a that's a good answer. Yeah. I like it. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. If you would like to share your thoughts on either one of the episodes we just talked about, please do so in the post for this episode of the podcast at com. Please like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekAboutShow. Follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash TrekAboutShow. Follow us on Instagram. What? Show. And as always, leave us a positive iTunes review. We do not have any new ones this week, but uh, hopefully next week we will. Hint, hint. Next week we are almost at the halfway point of the second season, believe it or not. We're going to be talking about Rivals and The Alternate.
1: They really don't have titles on these shows, do they?
0: No, I, I, I think that these are the working titles and they just kind of shrug and go, that's fine.
1: <laughs> Tune in next week when we do
0: season two, episode one. No, that's the title. <laughs> All right, so thank you for listening and we will be back at you next week.